coaches to the Coaches Rising podcast. Uh, we had a little summer break, but I'm back now refreshed and ready to, to go. And I've got a real delight for you today. This is podcast, what is it? Podcast number 25. And yeah, I want to give a little longer intro to this one today. I think it's really important to set some context. A few months ago, I read an article that left me deeply excited. After coaching for nearly a decade, I was grappling with several important insights and questions like how come people's best intentions and efforts to develop themselves often failed and even perpetuated a sense of inadequacy that they came into coaching with and why when I would let go of trying to help my clients get to their goal um, and even of letting go of an outcome in coaching, did I often have my most powerful and magical coaching conversations? So I've been you know, thinking about that and I read this article by Steve March called The Unfolding of Aletheia Coaching and several pieces of the jigsaw puzzle came together. So I immediately reached out to Steve to talk and Steve points to how we have had several generations of coaching now and each generation of coaching brings its own unique gifts but it also has its own blind spots. The first generation of coaching came from sports coaching and it's all about problem solving and achieving goals and winning and second generation coaching is different. It's all about opening to new positive future possibilities. It's about helping your client arrive at a, a future way of being or self. And that's the, the, the kind of generation of coaching I trained in. And in this generation, coaches often feel they need to know more in order to support their clients, more than they currently do. Like, I, I, I've got to keep learning. I don't know enough. And I can relate to that very much. But the major blind spot of this approach is that there can often be this kind of disconnect between the the method or structure that I have of where I want my client to go and the reality of what's arising moment by moment. And I love this distinction in this article that Steve shares, and he got this from Eugene Genlin, uh, who created Focusing, and it's uh, often coaches think that structure, this method and this future way of being, that their structure um, creates this new way of being, that they can actually work towards that place. But actually, this is backwards. It's actually the process, being in the moment with our clients, moment by moment in presence, so that it unfolds and deepens. And this is what creates the structure, the new way of being for our clients. And that was a beautiful distinction for me that really fit for me and my, my, my kind of genius coaching when that came online. So an essential part of that is that we need to get out of what's often arises in coaching, which is kind of this problem solving approach to our clients that something's wrong and we need to fix it because this mindset actually perpetuates the feeling that there's something wrong and it kills this kind of depth. So there are third and fourth generations of coaching emerging and that's what we're going to explore today, that they deal with 
the struggle that many coaches have to work with the kind of messiness, but also the great transformative potential of being in this moment with my client, which if you look at, that's all we really have, you know, our future vision and mission, our goals, they are all ideas about an imagined future, but they're significant in how they show up in this moment. How do they influence and inform our, our current way of being right now? Steve is also going to share with us these four depths to our experience that he has discovered. And it really helped him solve this conundrum he had, which was, you know, he'd done all this different training, different approaches to coaching, but how do they all fit together? And he discovered these four depths, the depths of parts, the depths of process, the depths of being and the depths of non-duality. So Steve's going to talk about what they are, why they're so significant and what happens in the coaching when you can help your clients move through those different depths as needed. Let's dive right in. Hello, Steve. Good to speak to you today. Hello. How's things with you, Steve? Things are really good. It's been a, it's been a very full summer, and uh, I can't believe that the year is uh, is uh, approaching its end. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> well, funny you should say that because I've been I've been itching to have this conversation with you for um, for months now, and and so I'm super excited that we're we're actually getting the chance to speak. Let me say a little bit about why I'm so excited to speak with you, and then I want to kind of unpack our topic today, which is. Um, Alethea coaching and of course you're going to be on our upcoming program coaching from source which I think has a lot of resonance with with Alethea coaching so yeah I, I um, fortunately I I was sent a document that you wrote called the unfolding of Alethea coaching and you know being I, I just love anything about coaching I'm always kind of searching around and this document when I when I found it and I uh, was able to I read through it. I was just incredibly excited because you articulated something which has been lighting me up, and you added you know layers of of kind of distinctions and, and depth to to this thing, and and that's what I want to explore with you today. So I feel that it seems like around the world, amongst my friends in the coaching community, there's a new new approach to coaching emerging that seems very appropriate for the times that we live in. And I think you, you kind of speak into that way of coaching very beautifully. So, so let's dive into that. How does that sound? Yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. And I'm, I'm really touched that, um, that what I wrote um, excited you and moved you. So yeah. thank you. Well, um, maybe you could tell a bit of the backstory. You know, what's the, what's the story, the journey that led you to, create Aletheia coaching and and of course we want to know what Aletheia coaching is and what makes it different from I think many of the coaching approaches out there but what had you uh what's this what's the story behind its creation so I got certified as a as an integral coach through New Ventures West and I'd been coaching a few years prior to that but without really realizing what coaching was and you know, after I, after I graduated that program, I felt like I had, I suddenly had a methodology. I had some, some ways that I could work with clients, but for my own developmental journey, I recognized that there were 
a lot of things that could come up in a coaching conversation that I knew I was not prepared for. I should give a little bit of background. So my, you know, at the time I was working in high tech and all of my background is in computer science and quality management. And it was really my own journey of moving from the technology side of things into the people side of things that had me move into organizational development and into coaching. And so I, in a sense, got certified as a coach, but I didn't have a background, say, in psychology or philosophy or, or anything to do with people. And so after, after getting certified, I decided I still needed a lot more training. And so living in the San Francisco Bay Area at the time, uh, where I still live, there are so many different trainings here on offer. And I really took advantage of that. And so I, I trained at the Strozzi Institute, and I, I trained in internal family systems and focusing and lots of lost count that I've been through. And slowly, I started to develop a lot more confidence in myself as a coach. Um, I had a real trust that anything that could come up in a coaching conversation, I had the capacity to, to be with it and to be with it skillfully. And I developed what I would call a very eclectic practice where I would meet a new client and I would, you know, listen to their story and what they were struggling with and what they wanted my support with. And I would, I would think maybe a little bit of integral coaching with this client, or maybe a little bit of somatic work with that client, or maybe a little bit of internal family systems work. And I kind of, actively switched methodologies back and forth, even with the same client between meetings. And I found that in a way it worked, but in a way it was also confusing. And it was confusing for me, and I think it was confusing for my clients. And somewhere around, I think it was 2010, I had an insight that in a sense, I spent, even before the insight, let me, let me tell you the question that I was in. The question I was in was, I have all these methods, and they all work, but they're all so different. Why do they work? I was under the maybe naive assumption that human beings are human beings, and ways of helping them develop would converge. You know, they would be similar except all these different things that I had studied were so, so different. And I had an insight that they were all correct. It wasn't a matter of which one is the right method or which one is the better method. In a sense, they were all the, be the best method, but they were all working at different depths. And because I have a background in um, integral theory and really wanting to to integrate everything that I'm learning and experiencing, uh, I started to wonder about, could there be a method in which that, that recognized depth and that integrated all of the great insights and know-how and skillfulness of these different methods into a single method? And that insight was really the turning point for me that started to that started to unfold what is now Aletheia Coaching. So could you tell us then, yeah, what view Aletheia Coaching 
is, you know, as this kind of new integration? I think the, there are many ways to talk about this. And that's actually one of the fun things about it is there's no single answer to your question. One, one way is it's about uncovering who and what we are and allowing ourselves to fully and completely be what we are in the world. And of course, that, you know, initially that may sound strange because, well, aren't we already who we are? And in a way, we are. But in a way, so many of us are trying to not be who we think we are. We're trying to be some sort of improved version. We're trying to correct the fatal flaws in us, things like that. And I see a lot of coaching happening in the world under the banner of self-improvement. And this is a good example of that. And I think in my own journey, one of the things that I've discovered is, to, is that to be human is a wonderful thing. And there are wonders about being human that, frankly, just blow me away. Depth of human compassion, the courage that we have, uh, the care that we have, and, and so many other things. And yet so many of us don't believe that we have those things. We don't believe we're courageous or, we, or we're scared we, we can't face something in life. And so... In a way, what Aletheia Coaching is about is it's about working in the present moment with exactly what is arising now and relating to it, including it, feeling it, integrating it in such a way that we unfold the depth of, of who we are and what we are. And, and as we deepen, as we deepen through the depths, into our depths, and we learn that, in fact, we are innately whole and complete. And when we really drop into our sense of wholeness and completeness, what we feel is deeply resourced. There is um, a profound resourcefulness and creativity that we have as human beings that is exactly what life is calling for. We feel deeply resourced. We feel capable. We feel creative and resourced to face life exactly as it is. And, you know, we could go on a whole tangent here to talk about the challenges of life right now. So many different things, so many different facets of life are, are challenging in these times. And so Aletheia Coaching is about really working with what's here to recognize that we have the capacity to face and constructively respond to what is unfolding in our lives. And that doing so is inherently fulfilling. There's a way that we feel in our right place. We fit in the world. Um, there's a sense of, of belonging, a sense of, a sense of inclusion, mm. exactly as we are, that unfolds. I this is to me where I get so excited because I have been in that kind of problem solving or self-improvement approach that you mentioned for a long time. And, and what I discovered was this sense of, it often creates this sense of scarcity. Like you said, you know, there's something wrong with me that needs fixing. And when I get to that place in the future, some imagined future, then I'll be okay. Then, I, then I'll be um, fulfilled or I'll be able to show up in the world. 
And so that kind of mindset of scarcity keeps me stuck. That's what I like about what you're saying is there's something about being with what's here in the present moment and relating to it with this unfoldingness that um, changes that game completely and empowers us. Absolutely. My, my experience is that in a sense, when we're ego identified, which all of us are, and in fact, it's an adaptive and necessary and, and helpful thing. But when we're ego identified, there's a way in which we feel deficient. We feel like there's something missing. And as far as I can tell, um, after coaching now for, you know, 17, 18 years, this is true of everyone, as far as I can tell. It's certainly been true of all my clients. It's certainly true of me. It's true of a lot of my friends, people who I've had these kind of deep conversations with. We all have lurking in us this sense of deficiency that, you know, grows in intensity or shrinks in intensity, depending upon what's happening in our lives. And as a result, you know, I think a lot of us conclude that who we are right now is not who we want to be. And with every good intention and with lots of sincerity, you know, we, we launch out into the world to try to better ourselves. And, and of course, that in many ways is a wonderful thing and not something to be questioned that we want to be a better version of ourselves, that we want to be more loving, more caring, more, um, more honest, more truthful. Any of those things is, is a noble characteristic. But as you say, when we launch out into the world with that good intention, there's a kind of reverse effect in which it reinforces the sense that we aren't that. And so, you know, in Alethea coaching, we kind of flip everything backwards in some sense where instead of, instead of trying to improve ourselves, we're asking the question, well, who am I? And we're looking at and exploring and feeling what's arising right now in this moment as a way of engaging that question. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you find when people start to do that? Like what, what happens in the moment as your clients start to do that? Well, a lot of different things happen. And, it, and in some ways it requires the skill of, of navigating our world or navigating our inner world. If you can look at it from that perspective, you know, we find that we have body sensations and we have feelings and we have thoughts and we have intentions and ambitions and strategies. And, you know, there's this whole sort of population of stuff that, that we begin to recognize is swirling around inside of us, getting triggered and, you know, really opening and closing uh, possibilities, defining our sense of ourself. And initially, I think, you know, I know this was true for me when I first started to do this kind of work. Initially, I was kind of overwhelmed with everything that was there, everything that was here for me, not knowing what to do with it. And I think this is the skillful means of Aletheia coaching is I sometimes call it the art of navigating inner worlds. Um, how as coaches can we help our clients to to turn their attention at first inward, although when we go deeply enough, there is no distinction between inner and outer. First, there is a distinction. And so how can we help our clients turn inward in a way that they can get to know themselves, they can deepen their self-awareness, and they can begin to engage this kind of ever-deepening, 
that ultimately is developmental. And um, just to, you said ever deepening unfolding there, it cut out a little bit again. I just want to make sure we capture that. Yeah, this ever deepening unfolding is developmental. You know, so one of the things that I noticed, you know, coming out of a developmental orientation, which, I, which I've had since the mid 90s, is that this kind of, this way of deepening into the present moment, taken up as a practice, actually develops us over time. So one of the distinctions I sometimes make about Aletheia coaching is it's a lot more similar to a meditation practice um, than it is to a coaching conversation in which you might be talking about goals and how to fulfill them. It's a, it's a meditation practice that is done in conversation, in relationship with your eyes open and where you're actively talking, actually having a conversation between coach and client about what's arising right now. That's one of the biggest shifts I find coaches who know other methods when they come to Aletheia coaching. That's a big distinction they have to make in this is that in fact, we're always working with what's arising in the present moment and that we're in fact kind of doing a mutual meditation with our clients as opposed to talking, strategizing, planning, designing, which a lot of other coaching methodologies um, center their conversations on. Just to share my experience, because this is when I was reading your document, I was like, yes, that's, that's what I'm experiencing too. This sense of instead of trying to get the client somewhere or, and I'd love to ask you about these generations of coaching that you articulate, um, because I think that adds a context for, our, for, for this conversation. But this sense of um, instead of trying to get the client somewhere, but, but being with the, the, the emergent moment is so powerful because that's where this sense of aliveness and novelty comes in rather than trying to force or uh, corral the, the kind of the, the coaching journey down a certain path, which, you know, I always found very dissatisfying in a way, you know, it was kind of like, um, it would work sometimes and then it wouldn't work. And actually it would disconnect me from the client and from the potential of the moment. And when I would surrender that and just be with the client and, you know, practices like circling, um, which is, you know, something that I see emerging in the world now where, you know, it's just about getting the client's world and having them feel really seen. And suddenly I would see people transforming through that practice, you know? So, so, being with the client in this way where it's just very emergent and, and um, following what's emerging, I, I would suddenly have these magical coaching conversations and incredible things would start happening. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're bringing aliveness into this conversation as well, because I think that's another way of talking about what unfolds here. You know that, yes, there is an unfolding depth, but, but how that depth is experienced is as an enlivenment. We recognize more fully the profound wonder of being alive and, and what that actually is, not as a concept, as something that's lived in the body, the heart, the mind, as something that is deeply relational, um, deeply both in the world and somehow eternal and transcendent at the same time. And so, you know, that, that I think, when I switched into this kind of coaching, that was the thing that kept drawing me forward. 
is I, it sounds like much like you, I would get to the end of a coaching conversation in this method. I'm pausing here because my phone is ringing. Yeah, <laughs> no sweat, no problem. We, last time we had did a podcast, we had someone's cat, uh, cat, you know, bombing the, um, <laughs> bombing the, the podcast. So, uh, telephones we can handle. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. It should stop here in a moment, but, but what I was, what I was saying here is that, um, the thing that kept drawing me forward in, into this style of coaching, even though itself, it was unfolding. The method was unfolding for me. It wasn't a, uh, a method that I'd started with already pre-designed and figured out. It was very much me continuing to coach in the way, but feeling myself drawn forward into this other style of coaching. And what drew me forward was the feeling of aliveness that I felt as the coach. I would get done one of these conversations where the client was in depth and I was bearing witness to that. I was being there and not trying to design it, not trying to guide it along any particular pathway, but simply being there, meeting them where they are and helping them to feel and know where they are. And it was feeling so invigorating. New insights were occurring and uh, a different sense of, of self, a different sense of self for the client, a different sense of self for me even. That's the thing that kept drawing me forward in this direction more and more and more. Could, could you say a bit more about that? You know, because, because some coaches listening, they might be like, well, this all sounds really nice being together in the present moment and following this emergence. What wants to kind of come through the coaching client and the, and the coach. And, but what do you start to see in clients that you work with in this way? And let me add another, like a kind of sub question. It's like, I imagine that there is being in this way empowers them to be in this way in the world, which in and of itself is useful, but does this then also help them enfold into their, you know, their kind of essential gifts so that they can just be fully who they are in the world. So you know, it may be helpful to, to answer your questions here, to start speaking a, a little bit more about something that I call the four depths. And, you know, earlier in our conversation, I said that it, in 2010, I had this insight after, after studying and practicing many different methodologies that they were all correct, that they all were powerful, but that they were all working at different depths. And... When I had that insight, I immediately saw at least, I mean, this is a model. It, it, could be, it could be five depths. It could be 12 depths. What I saw was four at that time, and that's what I've been working with, and that's what I teach inside of Aletheia. And these are four depths of the present moment. And so when I'm working with a client in the present moment, one of the first questions in my mind is, at what depth are they experiencing the present moment now? And how can I meet them exactly there? And I notice that when, when I do that and when they are conscious of where they are, that deepening occurs spontaneously through the depths. And so let me just describe them really briefly here. So the, the depth that I think we mostly live life on, and I'm including myself here as well in this, is what I call the depth of parts. And the depth of parts is characterized by experiencing everything as separate. 
And we can look at these depths both as a cosmology, meaning we can look at the world around us at this depth, but we can also look at it perspective of a psychology, looking within ourselves. So when we look at the world around us at this depth of parts, we see a world of separate objects and identities. Things are nameable. Things are clearly separate, like, you know, you're, you're sitting in Europe, I'm sitting in the United States, we're clearly, we're clearly separate right now. I'm separate from the computer I'm speaking to you through. But when I look inside of myself, I can also notice that a part of me was really looking forward to this conversation too. And another part of me was nervous about this conversation because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what kind of questions you were going to ask and And so I can notice that there are many different parts of me here, even in this very moment, that are all happening. But none of them defines me. You know, so I can have a part that's excited. I can have a part that's anxious. But that doesn't mean I am anxious. I am excited. There's room for me to be more. And it's this more that we really start to get curious about in Aletheia Coaching. And so the depth of parts is this first depth. The next depth deeper than this is the depth of process. And process compared to parts, parts are structural. They're like solids. You know, you can see things in the world that are solid. And even parts of yourself, they feel kind of solid and enduring. But process is flowing. It's fluid. And um, you can look out into the world and you can notice all kinds of things are in process. Um, I mean, this, I think, is what in Buddhism they talk about impermanence. The chair that I'm sitting on wasn't always this shape and it won't always be this shape, even though it appears in this way now. So it's in process. And, and in, in a certain way, you can look at everything from this perspective. Something fresh about everything will occur to you when you experience it as something that's flowing. And when we look inside of ourselves, process is the flow of experience. And here, when we're really dipping into the flow of experience, um, we're dropping into bodily felt sense. So there's a way that we have a bodily felt sense right now that is meaningful, that is fluid and flowing, that is complex, that is rich. And in fact, it's so complex, so multifaceted, that it's not really languageable in any kind of clear way. And for that reason, oftentimes there's a hesitancy to go there because we sense something, we feel something, and we have no idea what it is. So we just, we just take it to be meaningless noise. And... Of course, there are methodologies like yeah. the Eugene Gendlin's focusing practice has been a huge inspiration for me in Aletheia coaching. And in focusing, we don't treat the rich and complex bodily felt sense as meaningless noise. We treat it as something that's meaningful contact with ourselves and the world and each other. And so that's the depth of process. And there are some other accesses to process. So I'll just I'll just name that we can also access process through what I like to call felt image as opposed to felt sense or, or in addition to felt sense, maybe better said. 
deeper than the depth of process is the depth of presence. And the depth of presence is the place, is the depth in which we really land into our innate wholeness and completeness. This is a, this is a depth that is really a treasure trove of qualities of, of presence or essence or awareness. This is the, the, the place of the highest of human virtues, where we drop down into this we really realize that not only can we love, but that in fact we're made of love or that we're made of the stuff of courage. We really feel that it's not that we have something, that we have love, that we have courage, that we have compassion. It's that we are compassion, that we are love, that we are courage, that we are joy, that we are bliss. And here we make a shift from the depth of process into the depth of presence that is definitively in the direction of spirituality. And so all the world's great wisdom traditions all speak of these qualities, these human qualities that we have, that we, that we are ultimately. And it's really at this depth of presence that we realize that. So that's a pretty profound shift. And Presence always comes with absence. So really, this is the depth of presence and absence. And our usual assumption is when we're living at the depth of parts, is that what's deeper is nothing. That's the, that's the, the seed, if you will, of this sense of deficiency that pervades. And then there's one final depth, which is the depth of non-duality. Could, could you just explain that to me a bit more? Because I didn't quite get that. Um, I want to make sure it's clear. And so you said when we're in the depth of parts, could you explain what you said there about the absence? Yeah, sure. So in a sense, when we're born, we live at the deepest depth here. We're, we're born really living at the depth of non-duality, which I just started to name. Mm. And through the first three years of life, roughly, we actually develop um, through a process that I call surfacing. We surface from this deepest depth of non-duality up through the depth of presence and absence, up to the depth of process, and, and then finally through the, up to the depth of parts. And this is part of ego formation. Um, a really good um, description of, of this process that's a big inspiration for me is Margaret Mahler's work on separation individuation. And as we traverse these depths, as we float up, as we surface through these depths, there is a way in which who and what we are at depth is not really recognized and mirrored by by our parents, by, our, by the adults around us, by, by the, the culture that we live in. And in a way, we lose contact with ourselves in that way. And this seems, as far as I can tell, to be something quite necessary for the, for the development of ego, as I said, is an adaptive and um, necessary thing. But what it leaves us with as we, as we then live um, at the depth of parts, it leaves us with this sense that what is deeper than that 
isn't, isn't anything, that there's an absence down there. And our parts, when we really get to know our parts, and parts work is really where we start in Aletheia coaching, when we get to know our parts, what we realize is that they're all well-intended, that they're all trying to help us to compensate for that assumed absence. They're trying to fill in the gap. They're trying to fill in what's missing. And we can even see this impulse to self-improvement that we talked about earlier in our conversation as stemming from exactly this, this inner sense that part has that something is missing and out of its good intents, it's trying to help us to fill in what's missing or to compensate for what's missing. And so there is a deep relationship between these different depths in the way in which our lives are actually lived in all of these depths. We don't, um, we don't leave them behind. Um, they're all here right now in this very moment. And um, inside of us, as we begin to navigate, learn about our parts, we recognize the way these depths are in relationship with each other. Mm. Thank you. Maybe it's good just to speak a bit about non-duality. You know, many people might know what you mean by the depth of non-duality, but many people might not. So perhaps you could speak to that depth. Perhaps the simplest way is just to contrast it with the depth of parts. Remember, the depth of parts is is characterized by separation, where everything is separate. And the depth of non-duality is the exact opposite, where there are no separations. There is no duality, so to speak. That's maybe the easiest definition of it. In Aletheia, we actually work with four different paths into the, into the depth of non-duality. And, you know, non-duality is the deepest depth. It's, you know, we could say it's source. In the, in the upcoming Coaching from Source program, I'm really interpreting source to mean non-duality the place where we originated from, it's the depth at which we originated from and, and from which we emerged and unfolded. Uh, non-duality is spoken about as oneness. And so there's a way of defining it as one, as a unity, um, as unity consciousness. In other traditions, they speak about non-duality as emptiness, which is really the second style of non-duality that we work with in Aletheia. I call it the is not. The first style of oneness is the is path. The second style of emptiness is the is not path. Mm. And uh, the third style is both is and is not. And so we recognize that there's something true about saying it both ways. And then naturally the fourth path is neither is nor is not, which is the opening to recognize that ultimately what non-duality is, is not definable. That is, um, for me, in my experience and understanding, I, w- I would say that's an opening of the non-dual heart. Hmm. So when non-duality, when non-dual illumination really lands in our heart, we, we land into the mystery. Hmm the mystery of reality, the mystery of being, the mystery of of what we are. And what's amazing about that, I think, is that 
is that we relax into the mystery without any need for it to be resolved. I'm just thinking of several teachers I've seen who talk about this drop from being, living in our minds and living from our hearts, you know, the spiritual heart. Even John Prendergast, who uh, will be also teaching in Coaching from Source, speaks about this. And let me check then. So, I, so what happens with our clients is that they are going to be you know, identified with these parts. And actually often what brings them into coaching is this, this sense of if I can get that thing, then I'll be okay. But they're, you know, they're only going to perpetuate that sense of lack by following that path. So the Aletheia coach is able to be in the present moment in this depth of process, you know, and, and to work with the part so that the part begins to relax and, and um, open. And, um, and then these, these kind of depth of presence can come online. These, these, where it's just an inherent wholeness and completeness. Uh, that's what we recognize. And I get the sense that in a way, maybe though the qualities at this depth of presence are what we're really looking for, like courage or or wisdom, you know, like maybe our kind of soul qualities that we, instead of making a thing, um, we become, you know, and we live from that place. And, you know, I just think then, wow, how, how would we impact the world if we are able to speak from that place or to, to act from that place? And, and then this depth of non-duality, which in some way perhaps like creates this sense of ease around this whole whole kind of process because there's nothing to do and everything's perfect. And perhaps that's the depth where form emerges, you know, out of the formless, you know, like creativity, evolution, um, novelty can truly emerge from that place. And if we were able to live as that depth of non-duality, we kind of supercharge that whole process. Maybe I'm using language there that might annoy some non-dual teachers, but so that's what the Aletheia coach is doing is, you know, they're in that, that journey with the client. Exactly. And I can add just a little bit more detail to your description, which was fantastic. So the way we talk about methodology in Aletheia is that we have parts work, which we naturally do when the client is at the depth of parts. We have process work, we have presence work, and we have non-dual work, which we do at the appropriate depths. And In a way, this is how I integrated the different methodologies that I had learned previous to to all of this coming together. And when we work with parts, our intention is to let them be. And letting be is kind of like the core thread that runs through, that integrates all of these different styles of, of inner work. And so we let them be exactly as they are, and we work to see them, to feel them, and to allow our parts to really feel fully seen and felt, appreciated, loved, and valued exactly the way they are. And when that happens, they relax, they melt. I'm sure you you and others who are listening to this I'm sure all of us have had experiences maybe in a love relationship or a friendship or maybe with our parents or 
for someone in life when we've had a moment in which we really feel truly seen. We, see, we feel seen, we feel accepted, we feel loved and valued. And, you know, my experience with this, and as far as I can tell, this is, this is very universal, is that there's something in us that just melts when that happens. And in my understanding in these four depths is it's the, the structure of the part itself begins to melt. The rigidity of that structure, the, the way that that structure separates begins to melt. And as it melts, we spontaneously deepen into the depth of process. And, you know, then as a coach, when I notice that beginning to happen, I to shift how I am with the client and I start to shift more into process work. And, and the core of process work, I mean, I'm, I'm giving you kind of the, the very quick tour here, but the core of process work is feeling. And so we really you know, there's more flow of aliveness suddenly when parts melt. And the thing to do is to feel that aliveness. And that aliveness, it turns out, is an expression of a, of a depth still deeper. That aliveness is expressing in every moment of it is expressing innate wholeness. The thing to get about wholeness at the depth of presence is that it's holographic. And all that means, I know it's kind of a fancy term, but what holographic means Mm -hmm. is that the whole is expressed by all of the parts, Mm -hmm. which is backwards from how we ordinarily think of things. I think at the depth of parts, we ordinarily think that the whole is composed of or, or is the sum of the parts. And when we deepen, we recognize that, in fact, our wholeness is being expressed in every moment. And as we feel our flow of experience, our process, as we feel it bodily, feeling it more and more and more, the wholeness that is indeed deeper becomes spontaneously revealed. And then we drop into the depth of presence. We drop into our wholeness where then we really can not only feel it and experience it, but own it as what we are. And so that happens spontaneously. So whatever emerges in the coaching conversation, you say, hey, this is what's here right now. Let's work with what's here in a loving way to to kind of give it presence or to give it awareness or attention in a loving way. And then as you do that, there's this unfolding depth you talked about that then begins to reveal through the depth of process, you go into this kind of sense of wholeness. And I imagine that that place, it's like the problem has gone away, you know, like the problem of needing to fix oneself has dissolved. And instead there's, um, yeah, completeness. Yeah. I mean, even if there's a, if there's a challenging situation in a client's life, it isn't that the challenging situation no longer exists, but what the client can, can realize in their own direct experience is that they have what it takes to respond constructively and creatively. That is where the real development occurs. And because it's a shift in, in how we know ourselves, it's a shift in how we relate to others and relate to the world. And that doesn't mean it's always integrated immediately. Uh, sometimes, in fact, oftentimes, 
it actually requires that we um, we go through this multiple times. Um, that we keep, you know, we start wherever we start. We drop in. We realize this creativity, this resourcefulness, and then we step back into life with that. So th- mm. this is this is how I say that that this style of coaching is much more like a practice, a practice that we do again and again and again and again, as opposed to trying to fix some kind of circumstance or situation, and then it, it's apparently resolved. I don't know about you, I'd be curious, but what I've noticed is that when clients come to me inside of a problem-solving mindset, that mostly they've tried all the things I might suggest already to solve their problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, people are smart. People are creative. Um, they've done a lot of things. And if I start to engage them in problem solving, I mean, sometimes we can, get, we can get some places. And I'm not against problem solving when, in fact, what we're dealing with is a solvable problem. But I think mostly what we're dealing with isn't of that nature. Mostly what we're dealing with is life is complex and chaotic. And, you know, the, the, the circumstances that are most challenging to us aren't resolvable. You know, like relationships are challenging. Well, as long as we want to be in relationships, it's not resolvable like a problem. It's something we have to, we have to develop the capacity to deal with and to, to, to be in um, relationships in a way that can be mutually fulfilling. And so that's something that's always going to, to, to keep circling back into us, um, challenging us and delighting us right? That's what relationships are often about. So here is life itself, what it is to be alive and the complexity and richness of that. And the, the, the proper response to that isn't to treat life like a problem. It's to actually discover the aliveness in us. That's a response to what's, what life is challenging. Mm. You know, it's to meet, it's to meet our life with our aliveness. I, I think that's partly why this approach to coaching uh, and to growing, I see, for instance, it, this, this, like I said at the beginning of our conversation, I was already exploring this kind of approach to coaching. And I, and I was seeing many others talk about it too, not articulated in the same way that you have, but you know, it seemed to be in the air. You know? And I think that's be- partly because of the complexity that seems so kind of, you know, in your face these days, it's like a dojo that we're in right now. And, you know, and, and as, as coaches, our clients are complex, you know, like we can, we can sit there and, and kind of know our theory and, and maps and try to fit our clients into that. But actually they're complex beings. And, and so, so yeah, I feel like that's, this is of our time, this, this approach. And hey, you know, like if leaders and executives are able to start orienting in the world in this way too, how effective is their leadership going to become? How resilient and creative are they going to become? Something that you, you, you wrote that touched me was, and we've been speaking about this, but often as coaches, we help our clients identify or clarify a new way of being and then so we've created some structure there and want to help the client get to that new way of being but that's often not the way it works actually I think for me 
and this is what I think you wrote, that often it's the other way around, you know, that, that through our conversations, through this emergent kind of unfolding depth, then structure is created from that process. I just really like that distinction that you made. This distinction of process creating structure is really something I learned from Eugene Gendlin. And it's really how life unfolds in a way. There's an unfolding, as I was talking about earlier, there's a, a surfacing through the depths in which we start at the deepest and then we come up through the totality of non-duality up into the wholeness of presence, up into the flow of process. And it's process and life process that in some sense gives rise to structure, to parts. So you can view parts in a way like frozen process. And that's why when we meet our parts and we, we get to know our parts and we, we love them and appreciate them exactly the way they are and they feel felt, that they, in a sense, return to their original form. They melt hmm. and they return to the form of process. That's exactly how it works. So structure comes from process. And when we work with structure in a particular way, it returns to process, it takes us back to process. And when we work with process in a certain way, it takes us back to presence because it turns out presence created process. Well, this has been a really rich conversation. I think we, uh, we're going to wrap up here. And, uh, you know, I've got so many questions still, but let's hold those questions for next time because I'm certain we'll speak again um, and be able to put that out to everybody listening. So, yeah, I just want to thank you, Steve, for um, this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And um, I think it's very important conversation for the field of coaching. So. So thank you for being so generous. You're so welcome. I I feel exactly the same way. I think that I really feel that what the world is calling for is it's calling for us to bring forth the depth of our humanity. And that can so easily get brushed aside in the accelerating pace and complexity of the world. And when I really think of what is calling me forward into this, calling me forward into my own depth is, is exactly that to, to realize that, that my life is calling for me to bring forth what is deeply human in me. And it's not always easy. You know, I'll be the first to admit that life is challenging. And I've certainly had my share of challenges. I'm sure you have too, but life isn't asking us to be something we're not. It's asking us to be fully what we are. And that is something that is deeply embedded in this kind of working, this way of working with ourselves and our clients. And I think, I think in these times, it's, a, it's, it's um, really, really needed. Well, I think that's an excellent closing statement. <laughs> beautifully put, beautifully put. All right. Thank you. You're welcome.